Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I am so excited you're here and we have such a fun guest on the show today who I know you will love dearly. Uh, Before I get started, you know I just love to celebrate my clients and One of my clients over the weekend made it officially a LinkedIn official about her new role. Uh, So I want to take a minute to congratulate one of my past clients now, Emma. She really, you know, she came to me, we really looked at her transferable skills and it's incredible to see, you know, what she's done in higher education and how much that transferred into the world of corporate learning and development and how we were really able to position all of these transferable skills to not only get her a role within learning and development, but a manager role in learning and development. And I'm so inspired by Emma. I'm inspired by all my clients, but she just blew me out of the water because she became, through our time working together, super, super, super clear on what she wanted and what she you know, wasn't willing to, to give up in order to have this dream role. And we really created the perfect idea of what a dream role could look like in learning and development. And that's exactly what she got. And it's something I work really closely with all of my clients on is, is not settling. And when we streamline and focus on the right roles at the right companies, you can get everything you are looking for. You can get the role you are looking for, the pay you are looking for, the work you are looking for, the values you are looking for. And that's exactly what happened to Emma. And so I'm just so, so, so proud of you, Emma. And you know I can't wait to continue to see you on your journey, to continue to grow with this incredible company that you started with and This is just the beginning of a long, long, really fruitful and impactful career in learning and development. So thank you for taking a chance on me um, as much as I did on you. And, you know, it ended up being such a beautiful, beautiful partnership. And I'm so, so, so proud of you. And, you know, Emma's results aren't unique. So she put in the work, she, you know, she hustled for this and, you know, really worked hard to, to find a role that aligned with her. But it's not rocket science, you know, it's, it really is, it's, it's not unique. It's, it's following a, a, a simple, a simple step, step-by-step program. And that's, that's what I try to provide my clients. You know, we, we're not applying to hundreds and hundreds of jobs. It's, it's how do we take, you know, all of that really heavy lifting out and focus on, on the impactful roles for you. And so 
Um, I know many of you have heard about me, heard me talk about it, but I do have a brand new eight week group coaching program that is going live next week. So on May 31st, it will go live and we'll kick off that week as well. Uh, but I am only opening it up to a handful of people. So I only have two slots left in the program. We're keeping it super small, super intimate this first time around. I know several of you are already in it and I just am bursting at the seams for all of us to get started and get you started working towards your learning and development dream. So if you want to join this really intimate container, there are a few spots left. Uh, I will put the link in the show notes. You can find the information um, if you go to theovernighttrainer.com. Um, if you click on courses, that will bring you to all of the information for the eight-week group coaching program. So it's a mix of online modules that you can do in your own time, um, as well as weekly group coaching calls with me. Uh, you'll have opportunities to do hot seat coaching, so you'll get some one-on-one -on -one coaching within you know, that group coaching container. I'll also have some of the best and brightest names in learning and development joining us to give you their perspective um, on all things L&D and all things L&D job search as well. So uh, within the modules, you'll learn how to craft a resume that gets you noticed by L&D hiring managers, um, how to create a LinkedIn networking plan so that way people are reaching out to you for jobs, how to prep for your interview, um, getting your cover letter and all of that up to speed, and most importantly, finding out what your niche is and getting super, super aligned with the right role at the right company for you. So we spend those eight weeks together. I cannot wait to get started. I am offering 50% off this first cohort. So this won't happen again. Um, so if you are looking for a way to work with me to get your dream L&D role, this is it. I'm offering 50% off. So if you use code 8WEEK, the number eight, the word week, and 50, the number 50, so eight week 50 at checkout, uh, you will get 50% off this cohort. So I am so excited for everyone who is already in it. Such a kick-ass group of people that I just, I can't wait for all the magic. I'm just like getting so excited just sitting here thinking about it because um, your lives are going to change in eight weeks. And I'm so pumped to be, be a part of that. So Again, if you go to theovernighttrainer.com, click on courses at the top. My website's going through an upgrade right now. Of course, I chose now to, to upgrade everything. So if you, for any reason you can't find it, please feel free to email me, hello at theovernighttrainer.com. There's my email popping up. <laughs> hello at theovernighttrainer.com. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. So you can definitely LinkedIn message me, uh, Sarah Canistra, and let me know if you need help finding it. But I am so excited about today's show. So let's dive into it. I cannot wait to welcome and introduce you to Jonah Goldstein, who is the head of learning from 360 Learning. Uh, 360 Learning is a learning platform. So some of you may have heard about it. It fuels teamwork by combining collaborative tools with powerful LMS features. And Jonah is really passionate about helping organizations unlock untapped knowledge through collaborative learning and development. So as an L&D executive, he works with individuals and teams to identify development needs, offer training and growth opportunities, and measure the impact of learning on personal and organizational performance. All right, Jonah, welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I'm so, so excited to have you and have the roles reversed from the last time I was on your show. 
Yeah, that's right. We get to we get to switch seats. So yeah. I'm in the hot seat now. You nice are definitely see. definitely in the hot seat. So <laughs> before we dive in, I know we're going to talk a lot today about what makes a successful L and D team and structure and mm. all of that. But I would love, love, love for people to hear and listen to more about you. Uh, you know, oh. you you have such an interesting role, and I think a role that's probably envied by some too, because you get the best of both best of both worlds, and you can tell mm-hmm. us more about that. But you know, really overseeing both internal and external learning initiatives at 360 Learning. So tell us who is Jonah? What is mm-hmm. 360 Learning? What's been your journey really to lead you where you are today? Okay, sure. So right. Um, my name is Jonah Goldstein, and I'm the head of learning at 360 Learning. In a word, 360 Learning, um, we are a education technology provider. So our platform enables our clients to create uh, collaborative learning within their organizations. So to sort of unlock the knowledge in their organizations uh, and share it amongst uh, uh, participants in that organization. Um, so yeah, we're it's a SaaS-based uh, learning management system, learning experience platform. Um, and I've been working at the company for two years, but I've been working in education kind of my whole life, my whole career. Um, I started off uh, a long time ago. I'm originally from the U.S., but now I, I've been living and working in France for the past 15 years, and 360 Learning is a French company. But when I started my career, I was in uh, publishing, uh, education, academic publishing, and I had various kind of sales and marketing roles, um, and I was doing that for years in the U.S., uh, and then I moved to France, really more for personal reasons than, than for anything else. And uh, uh, once I was in France, I, I finished my my studies, I got an MBA here in France, and, and I held a couple of different jobs um, before eventually landing a job out, out of the MBA, um, working at the UN, working at UNESCO, which is the education agency of, of the United Nations, uh, headquartered in Paris. So that was a really cool job. I worked on education policy and partnerships with the private sector. And I did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then I, I moved back to a large company. I wanted to, to work for a really large company, um, n- not specifically in training or learning and development, but there was an opportunity that came up to, had, that to, to work for a company called Sodexo. Uh, and, I, and I had a job that sort of brought together a whole bunch of different skill sets that I had. And that was a lot of fun. And I did that for a few years and I, and I liked the company. So I continued um, and I worked uh, in learning and development. So uh, after a certain point, um, we had a very, very small central L&D team, uh, and I helped to build that up, uh, build that up, excuse me, over, over a couple of years. Uh, and when I left, uh, I was in charge of technical training for the company. So, so Dexo is, um, you know, a, a services company, food services and facilities management, and I was overseeing kind of the technical training at, at a global level. Um, and, I, and I left that job to come to 360 Learning. And yeah, like you were saying, I kind of have a, I kind of wear two hats at 360 Learning. The first is that I'm in charge of L&D. So um, we're a, a growing company um, based in France, but with teams in the US and the UK. And so I look after everything from our new hire onboarding to um you know, our sort of continuous professional and personal development uh, to, to a lot of other types of training and growth initiatives that we offer to employees. That's kind of half my job. And then the other half is that uh, as a learning professional and as someone who is, is really interested in learning, um, I 
promote 360 learning externally um, by speaking with other learning professionals, kind of by being part of a conversation around modern learning, around collaborative learning, which is the, 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 the kind of notion that we really uh, push for at 360 Learning. And I do that through a series of, of interviews, which uh, you know about and you've been a guest on. And, and I've had a lot of other great L&Ds uh, on there. And, and, and I participate in conferences and things like that. And uh, ju just to sort of share a point of view on learning um, that's uh, a little bit different and a little bit um, uh, draws from, from sort of how we do things at 360 Learning. That's awesome. You know, I think back to, to how we originally connected and I had, I had posted about, you know, there being so many other different types of roles that you can have in L and D other than your traditional corporate trainer and instructional designer. And I, that's mm -hmm. actually, I think how we originally connected. So it was interesting, you know, to kind of come full circle and really now talk about, and that's how we originally connected too, even just, you know, before going on your show, but talking about the different types of teams that there are and hearing hearing you now to talk about all the different types of companies and different types of teams that you worked on, it lends itself to the really sets up the stage for the topic that we're talking about today. And so when you look at L&D teams today, so how they're structured or just in general, what are some of the biggest challenges that they face? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I do get an opportunity to work with a lot of different learning and development teams, um, whether they're clients of 360 Learning or just people I encounter through through building my network or just out of curiosity. Uh, I'm always interested in speaking with people and and, and uh, small organizations, medium size or, or huge multinationals. Um, and I, I guess that you know, really, regardless of the size of the organization, an L&D team uh, has a couple of different functions today. W one of, or a few pillars maybe that they, that they sort of draw upon in, in contributing and bringing value to their organizations. The first is maybe, you know, talent development. So what is the role of, of learning and, and, uh, and, and L&D within the organization to, to to build talent. And that, that's really anywhere from the earliest days of a new hire joining an organization through to, um, you know, the role of L&D in, in helping the organization understand what are the expected behaviors and the culture and how to grow within that culture, um, how to build skills and competencies. So that, that's a big challenge that, that L&D teams face um, in, in organizations that are growing, that are morphing, that are changing so fast, how do they fulfill this role of, of talent development? Um, the second big pillar I would say is business enablement. So L&D um, needs to be a, a partner to the, to the business, uh, needs to have their ear close to the needs of the business, um, to, the ear, to, to, the, to the needs of the client, excuse me, as well. And so how does L&D position itself as a business enablement function? And where do they uh, dedicate their time and energy and resources? Are, which areas of enablement are we talking about? Are we talking about sales enablement? Are we talking about retail enablement? Are we talking about really having uh, an L&D business partnering model? So, so here's another, you know, the, the individual talent development, and then there's the, the business development uh, uh, role. And then I'd say the third pillar or challenge that, that L&D teams are facing today that they need to think about regardless of their size is sort of their functional efficiency. So 
what does it mean for an LN, for an LND team to be a well-oiled machine? Um, what are the roles that they need in order to administer learning within their organizations, uh, to identify needs, to, to meet those needs, um, to do that all to speed, to scale? Um, and, and so, yeah, those are, I guess for me, those are big challenges that I see consistent, consistently across any type of organization and whether you're a team of one or you're a multinational L&D team supporting a business, you're thinking about how do you support the talent development in your organization? How do you enable business? And how is your team, how is your function efficient and uh, meeting needs quickly? I love that. I very rarely hear the word business enablement. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we focus, the focus can be on one of the, one of the other pillars, kind of the, the sandwich there, but that really focusing on the business enablement and then diving deep into that. So I think that's a really great term that you use that we don't really hear in the learning and development world as much as we probably should. Mm. Um, you know, I think there's focus on some of those uh, more focus on some of those other pillars. And so when you think about L and D teams, you know, and set the pillars that you had just mentioned too, like, where do you see the biggest imbalance? You know, do you see that they tend to focus more on specializations, maybe like one of those pillars, do you think they are on the side of just being overall general generalists? Like, where do you see the biggest imbalance with L and D teams right now? Right. Well, so to, to take a step back, um, I guess to, to well to answer the question straight off, to me, I think the biggest imbalance that we that I observe and that we experience in learning today is centralized versus decentralized in an organization. So, and what I mean by that is coming back to what I was saying before, these, these challenges, these are not challenges of a learning and development team. These are challenges of learning and development in an organization. So, you know, somehow we need to foster talent. Somehow we need to enable business. Somehow we need to have functional efficiency. Now, <clears throat> what that should look like in terms of actually having a dedicated centralized, strong learning team depends on the organization. So here's where, you know, I think this balance or this balancing act or, or each organization needs to find what it is that they're doing. Do they have a, a strong centralized learning function that where, where we centralize this notion of talent development or, or, or what is the role of, of a centralized talent development team? Do we have a centralized business enablement uh, teams and people who kind of are able to, to, to be business partners? Um, and, and do we have people internally to learning and development who have that functional efficiency, people who are LMS administrators and, and, and experts like that? So um, th that's where I see, you know, this kind of each, each L&D team needs to kind of figure out where they're going to put the cursor um, in terms of do those role, every organization needs that and needs those roles, but are those roles centralized or does L&D have another job to play, which is to enable that out in the business um, or enable that with, so it permeates throughout their organization and what could that look like? And yeah, I mean, I think that maybe there are some, um, there are some roles, there is some Im imbalances that happen. Um, I, I've seen recently, um, 
I so to be transparent, I tend towards more of a decentralized approach to all of this. Um, at 360 Learning, and I know you know we're we're a smaller organization, but we're, we have a team of two. Uh, in learning and development. And, and I like to have small centralized lean teams because I think L&D has a role to play of governance, of standard setting, of, of networking um, and of enabling the business. And, I, and I've seen a lot of uh, L&D organizations where there's too much focus on maybe ID, on, on instructional design centrally, um, where there's maybe too much focus on systems upkeep and administration centrally. Um, and, and I think that that takes a lot of time and energy um, and maybe doesn't focus so much on that, that middle uh, pillar, which is the business enablement, which does work very well in a decentralized kind of way. No, oh, that's great. And, and I kind of, no, I'd love to hear more too. I mean, you talked about kind of what you're personally doing right now. So I guess a twofold question is, if you're, if a team is struggling with that type of imbalance, what do you suggest for them on how to structure themselves to overcome that? And then I'd love to hear more about, you know, your team and personally, and what you've experienced, you know, at 360 and maybe in other organizations too, and what you've done to really help overcome that imbalance and those challenges. Mm, sure. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I think that uh, organizations and, and, and learning professionals and HR teams in, in general can, can be thinking about how do they address these, these challenges in their organizations? You know, how, what does uh, talent development look like? Um, what does the learning... So talent development requires, you know, uh, uh, building uh, opportunities for people to, to learn, whether they're through structured programs or other learning opportunities, uh, but but you need some sort of learning architecture in your organization to do that. So if a company is struggling with that and they they maybe have too many centralized uh, you know design resources, they, they need to really look at what are they trying to achieve from a learning architecture point of view. What are the company wide projects um, that enable this talent development? You know onboarding, uh, cultural. Uh, and behavioral training, uh, even something like compliance, you know, these are some of those um, key uh, structural programs that, that, that are company wide and require learning architecture. But do you have too much uh, of that architecture centralized in, in, in a centralized team? Could there, could there not be, if you take something like onboarding, could you not have a more of a decentralized approach to onboarding? Um, where you're you're really drawing on expertise and knowledge uh, and and skills that exist in other parts of the business and creating a collaborative experience for new joiners where where they're uh, where they're they're leveraging where L and D is leveraging the expertise that's that might be in other teams um, <clears throat> the same for for business enablement um, and I'll I'll be a little bit more specific and I'll tell I'll explain sort of how it works. At 360 Learning in a, in a second, but in terms of business enablement, I mean, you know, where do your sales enablement um, resources sit? If you work in, if if you have a retail element to your business, where do your sort of retail element, retail enablement um, resources sit? What does your business partnering for uh, in learning and development look like? How do you how are you identifying needs? How are you meeting those needs? Uh, and then learning operations, um, what? what resources are required to manage the systems that you use to, whether it's your LMS or, or you know, if, uh, if, if you have uh, booking people into training, 
um, what are the resources that are required to do that? So at 360 Learning, again, you know, we have a pretty, uh, a pretty lean team <clears throat> and we have a, maybe just to provide some context, what we do have and what we do really well, and it's not just within, within L&D, it's throughout the entire company, is we use uh, OKRs, so you know, objectives and key results, to really clearly define on short-term cycles what we're trying to accomplish. And for each, and each person um, has a really clearly defined scope that might be constantly evolving, but it's really clearly defined. So, so you know what you own and you also, through your OKRs, know ex exactly what you're working on and what you're accountable for. So already that in and of itself creates the, a, a good environment um, for uh, people to be working collaboratively, but in a decentralized way. And so, you know, when, when I think about like learning architecture um, and, and something like our onboarding or our, or our cultural program, um, I am able to, to decentralize that. I mean, you know, we have sort of our core induction of, of what everybody needs to know when they join the company. And we do uh, create that centrally. But when it comes to role specific uh, onboarding, um, and, and our goal is to ramp people up as quickly as possible, uh, that is very decentralized. And I work with each of the teams uh, and they own the content um, on how to ramp somebody up, whether it's to be a salesperson or to be a software engineer um, or in a uh, client support role. Um, so, you know, L&D owns the overall experience, um, but, but each of the teams are, are quite responsible uh, for developing that, that, that specific content. So it's, it's decentralized. The same is true for kind of business enablement. Um, you know, we have a sales enablement person and I work quite closely with that person. Um, and, you know, I have visibility on sort of the calendar of trainings that go out to salespeople. Uh, there are certain things around evolutions in our product and, and, and that, that, that are clearly owned and sit within her scope. Um, there are other areas uh, when we start to talk about sales techniques or methodologies or sales effectiveness where we work together. Um, and, um, in terms of uh, learning operations, obviously we use our own uh, uh, 360 learning platform internally. Um, I have a really decentralized gover governance model for that as well. You know, our platform has an overall main group, which is the company, but each department uh, has their own group that they own, that they're responsible uh, for ensuring that it's up to date, that uh, they can use amongst themselves to uh, share knowledge among the team. Uh, and, and obviously the, the way we have it configured, all of our groups are sort of public so that information can be shared across the, the whole organization. I love that. You know, it's so interesting too, that something that just as, as you're talking, I was just really listening. And obviously you are a learning company, so you probably have a very strong learning culture. Um, yeah. But there's other companies out there that aren't learning companies that have very strong learning cultures. And I actually did an entire podcast episode on questions to ask during the interview process to really understand if you're the company that you're interviewing with has a learning culture, because it sounds like too, part of what you're saying is what can make, make this successful and kind of overcome those challenges and barriers is if the company itself has that learning culture and has that accountability and has things like OKRs or really clear cut goals that makes everyone else's job easy. So 
I love that. And then also along those same lines of having a culture of learning is then the accountability that it's not just on the L and D team. And right. I think that's, that's such a, a huge challenge and a huge issue that a lot of organizations that I've personally worked in, that I've seen, that I've you know consulted for, they put so much pressure on the L and D teams themselves to be, uh, the, the one, the only, the source of, of all the knowledge. And I know that's exactly kind of what 360 learning you know, helps to helps to break that habit too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so interesting because I think once you have that learning culture and that accountability that goes along with it, and it's everyone's a learner and everyone's a teacher essentially. And then it, it allows L&D to really set the stage and provide pathways and frameworks and, and kind of lay the bricks, but not have to be the ones doing all the heavy lifting all the time. So I just thought that was really like just hearing all the bits and pieces about what's been able to make it a success for you. It's people might listen and be like, oh, well, yeah, it works for a learning company. You know, of course they have a learning culture, but there's so many companies out there that aren't learning companies that have a very strong culture of accountability and learning. And so I just loved hearing kind of the the combination of all of those things that really help make it successful for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. I mean, we do have a learning uh, a learning culture, um, but but that's also something that needs to constantly be uh, maintained and refreshed. And 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 there's a lot of different ways that we do that. I mean, I I recently uh, we we recently developed um, a, a training for new coaches. So you know, we we don't use the term manager at 360 Learning. We prefer to use the term coach because we really have a culture of low authority where, where people own their scope and, and and it's not a hierarchical relationship between their line manager and themselves. So um, in this new coach training, we're really helping people understand how to have uh, conversations with people, how to identify development areas, how to have uh, critical conversations to, to, to provide people with, as you said, those pathways to guide their, their way. So that, that's one way that, that we're doing it. Another, another interesting, um, we have a very specific uh, name for our culture at 360 Learning. We call it convexity. And convexity is made up of a lot of different uh, pillars, uh, uh, tribes, for example, transparency. Uh, I mentioned low authority. That's that's one of them. Impact. Uh, and, and I can go on. One of them is personal growth. And for each of the uh, uh, pillars, for each of the, the, the tribes of convexity, we have small groups of people who, who are regular looking, looking at how are we uh, executing against this this cultural touch point within our within our company? What could we be doing better? We have regular surveys where we ask specific questions around each of these pillars. People provide feedback, and it gives us a lot of room to, to think about how we could be making improvements. So L and D is not. I work quite closely with this group of people, uh, the personal growth tribe, um, to identify areas where we could be constantly improving um, our learning offer, our personal growth opportunities. Uh, so for, for me, they're, they're a great resource. Uh, an example of something that we've done recently over the past uh, couple of quarters is introduce learning campaigns. So um, every couple of months, uh, and this is something that, you know, we kind of brainstormed collaboratively with the personal growth tribe and everything. And, and so, uh, you know, we have themed campaigns where we ask people to share information, share knowledge that they have. Uh, we did one for Women's History Month, so not directly related to, you know, uh, people's, uh, uh, the, the skills required for their job, but very inspirational, um, very, very, uh, very open. And th- those sort of things continue to perpetuate our learning culture. Um, and, and drive engagement. 
think that's so great. And, you know, you think about too, like this concept of a collaborative you know, learning organization. So you had mentioned you've been on, you are a small team. Uh, I think you, you're recently a team of two, right? You were a right. team of, of yeah. one for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and you've been on large teams too, and I've worked with them. So when you think about a collaborative learning organization, what does it look like for a small team? What does it look like for a large team? And and more specifically, like what types of roles, and you're thinking about kind of your pillars you talked about earlier, would you see in this type of modern L&D function? Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, regard, I mean, what it looks like for a small team, what it looks like for a large team, you're, you're still trying to achieve a lot of those, those same um, objectives. The playbook is the same. Um, the, the role of learning uh, is, this, is the same. And so you, what you need to then do is strike this balance between centralized resources in a learning team uh, and decentralized resources, you know, because those, the, the, the issues of talent development, of business enablement, of functional efficiency are not going away. You need to treat, you need to deal with them somewhere. Um, so whether they're, they're, they're dealt with by a small centralized team, well, then that would might be suited for a smaller organization. If you have more resources, it might require more uh, centralized resources, but you still need to have that right balance between what's done centrally and what's done out in the business. So, um, you know, again, yeah, what are some of those roles? I think that if we, if we look at, you know, learning architecture, building uh, these um, programs and, and pathways and projects and opportunities for learning that apply across the organization, um, you need people who are dedicated to onboarding. That's such a critical area. Um, I, I've, I, I speak with a lot of, um, I find that there's a lot of growing companies, you know, sort of big name uh, tech companies today, where there are quite strong and robust teams dedicated just to onboarding um, and that onboarding experience. Uh, and there's a lot of data obviously supporting why that's important. Um, so yeah, having, having those onboarding resources, I think having someone who looks after um, the, the cultural experience within a company. And by that, I mean, you know, as I was mentioning, our cultural framework is convexity. And those are not just words on a page. There are expected behaviors that we uh, need to help people understand what good looks like, what bad looks like, um, how they evolve over time, uh, how, to, how to continue to respect these uh, cultural touch points uh, in challenging situations, how to continue to uh, make sure this culture lives and breathes as we scale, as we grow, as we bring on new people. Um, so, you know, to have someone uh, to, who, who looks after um, what your company culture means in terms of behaviors and development and skills um, and, and constantly uh, provide that to your organization is, is really important. Um, another role which and another role which you might find in a, in a huge organization but in a much smaller, it's probably the same person doing all three of these things that I'm mentioning uh, is compliance. Um, so, but but the, so these are, are are some of these company-wide projects. You know, whether it's new hire onboarding, cultural training, um, compliance type type training that you might find individual roles for in a large organization. They might be centralized in a strong central L and D team, or they could very well be decentralized. Um, you know, there's there's nothing 
uh, preventing um, uh, folks out in the organization from owning different parts of the culture and contributing to the learning that the whole organization benefits. If you provide them the means and the mechanism, the channel for people to, to develop and, and that, that, that training that can be used across the organization. Um, and you know, for the other kind of pillars, we, we talked about business enablement. What are some of the roles? Um, you know, clearly, I speak with a lot of sales enablement people. Um, many of them do not sit in a in a central L and D uh, role, but uh, they all have a lot. Um, uh, actually, I just spoke with a sales enablement uh, professional earlier today. Uh, somebody who has a background in sales, but is passionate about uh, developing people. Um, and was really able to find this nice, uh, this nice space in his organization, uh, bringing in his sales expertise, but also uh, his understanding of adult learning principles and things like that. Um, and, and I think that those enablement roles are, lend themselves very well to, to decentral, decentralization. But L&D then, depending on the size of your organization, has a great role to play to coordinate those enablement uh, efforts um, to, to think about what are the core skills uh, to enable people regardless of what their role may be uh, to help you know, sales enablement and, and, and retail enablement and other parts of uh, the, the business work together to define um, structured learning paths uh, that, that, that help the organization and enable the organization either grow sales or grow, grow in whichever part of the business that, that, um, that you're dedicated to. And then the last set of uh, skills that you need, uh, again, could be centralized, could be decentralized, and depending on the size of the organization, obviously needs to, needs to be adapted. But these are your learning operations folks, uh, your systems teams. Um, you know, uh, w when we were doing a lot more face-to-face -face training, uh, there were people who were working, uh, who, who spent a lot of time working on logistics around training uh, and things like that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you map out and think about, you know, centralized versus decentralized and and these areas of your 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 company-wide programs, your learning architecture, your business enablement, and your business partnering and your learning operations, you can kind of play with those parameters a little bit and, and looking at your organization, depending on the size, depending on the, the, the footprint, uh, depending on the culture, uh, figure out what roles you need within uh, that, that, that makes sense. And, and um, at 360 Learning, we cover all of that with a, with a very, very small team. But you know, that also requires us to, we, we can't be working on everything all, all the time. So, so there's a lot of prioritization that happens. That's why we do also have the benefit of these quarterly OKRs. I mean, you know, we can work on something for a short amount of time and then uh, move on to something else. That's great. You know, one of the things that really just stood out to me, what you're talking about too, is that it, all these functions that are functions of learning, right. And that don't necessarily have to fit under the traditional centralized L and D umbrella. And it reminds me of a lot, you know, when I work with my coaching clients and they're looking for to transition into L and D specifically, mm -hmm. it's, I often tell them rather than searching for job titles, 
search for keywords. What are skills that you want to do? What are, um, you know, what are things you're really good at that you want to continue to do? And oftentimes these like weird random titles will come up and they read the job description and like, wow, this is everything I'd want to do. It includes <laughs> copywriting and training and, you know, cr- developing some content and, you know, doing onboarding. And so it's interesting when you say that and it, and it didn't, doesn't li- necessarily live under the L and D function. So right. it, it almost from a job seeker perspective too, it limits you when you're, when you have that, that kind of traditional centralized thinking that everything must live under L and D it, it limits you as to kind of those possibilities out there that live, you know, in a decentralized world as, and so many organizations do really rely on, you know, not necessarily just having the L and D people develop content or share stories or share knowledge that it is organizational. So that really struck a chord with me in a, in a great way. Cause it's something that I often advise my clients to do to, to really look outside of, you know, what these standard titles and positions are, because like you said, sometimes in some organizations, it's one person doing 15 of those things. And in some mm-hmm. organizations, it's, you know, one person doing just one of those things. So, you know, it's all titled differently and called different things too. So that really stood out to me is from a job seeker perspective, we have a lot of yeah. L&D job seekers, you know, listening that that's something that you know, really helps them a lot. And, and when you think about that too, and L&D job seekers specifically looking to join an organization, you know, what, why would you say that they should join an organization that has a collaborative learning culture? And I think we've kind of covered some of those things, but I'd love to hear more in your own words as to like why someone should join an organization that has a collaborative learning culture. And then what should they be asking themselves as they seek to join this type of learning organization? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so in order to answer that, let me maybe define a little bit more what I consider to be a, you know, a collaborative learning organization. Yeah, please. It's, it's one in which um, anyone across the organization is able to identify uh, needs that they have, development needs, learning needs um, that will help them grow personally, that will help them have more impact, that will help them in their career. Um, And so those people are, or anyone in the organization is able to identify those needs through a, a number of different processes, you know, by their, by speaking with their, their line manager, by giving and receiving feedback, by, by performance reviews, uh, uh, by uh, having uh, touch points uh, with different parts of the organization. And <clears throat> they're able to bring those ideas and those needs to the table. They're able to express them. And those ideas are able to be met uh, <clears throat> by leveraging and by benefiting knowledge that may exist in other parts of the of the organization. So to me, that's like an ideal model of, of collaborative learning. People are hungry and open and uh, to, to, to personal and professional development. They are able that we provide them with the channels to express themselves and say, hey, I need this. And the organization is set up in such a way that somebody else can say, oh, you need that? That's really interesting. I don't have the exact solution, but let me share this with you. Um, and and that kind of internal network builds and grows uh, and, and people are able to, to feed off each, each, each other. Um, so that, that's... Um, you know that, that that that's how I I kind of envision it, it working, um, and internally to to, to 360 learning, um, you know we we do really enable that. Um, 
people are encouraged to, to think about their personal development pretty regularly. We have a very strong continuous feedback culture, which means that people are understanding um, what, how they can be improving themselves. Um, and and uh, we do so with a certain amount of benevolence so that people are open to, to, uh, to, to the ideas that are presented to them. And then they're able to articulate their learning needs and share it across the organization uh, and, and, and people are, are able to, um, to, to respond to them. So I'm not sure if that exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. I love that, you, that the definition of that too. And it really goes to show that, it's funny, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, wow, people are not only going to want to like purchase and use 360 learning, but everyone's going to want to work at 360 learning <laughs> after listening to this, you know? Yeah. But it, I think it's, you really, no, you definitely, definitely answered the question as to, you know, why would someone in L&D or someone who's new to L&D want to work for an organization like that? And, and you look at, you know, being able to, again, kind of be the shepherd of things without having to be the only sole person in charge of developing content. And I always say that to um, organizations I've worked for, I'm like, I, I, I don't know this as well as people out in the field do. Like, all we have to do is kind of give them some guidelines or frameworks or parameters as to how to how to put things out there so other people can learn from them, right? People, like you were saying before, they just need a, a vessel to do it and, and, a, and some guidance, but, you know, everyone is essentially a creator. And, and so I think it's such a, a valuable point that you make too about kind of what what to expect and, and, and setting the bar for what a collaborative learning organization should and can look like. So I think absolutely you 100% answered the question. <laughs> I mean, just a, just a real concrete example, and, and I could provide so many examples that are maybe even a little bit more business driven, but this one's just fresh in my mind because it's just the other day and, and, I, and I find it um, just really lovely and, and illustrative of, of what I'm saying. We had someone new who joined the company and they found the first couple of days really intense. And she said, gosh, you know, like, I just wish that I had some guidance around how I should, um, I've been sitting at my desk, I feel hunched over, you know, just uh, to, to, to stretch out a little bit and just some, some, it would be great if on day three of the, of the training, you just gave us some advice on, on how I could do some desk yoga. And I said, well, that's a fabulous idea. Like, put it on our platform and as it turns out, there's somebody in our organization who uh, went through yoga training. Um, and, and so she volunteered to address this need. She says, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. That's a great idea. I have some expertise in this area. Let me create a simple online course that can be part of our uh, first couple of days of, of training so that when you join and you're, and you're sitting there and you're absorbing all this information and you're you know, working a million miles an hour at your desk, you take a second, you stop, we build it. We build it into the program. We give you clear, specific guidance around how to how to stretch, how to uh, how to be how to be sitting a little bit more uh, properly at, at your post, um, and some some quick desk yoga things. So here's an example of a need that was identified by someone who was three days into the organiza organization. We gave them the means to express it, and we had somebody else on the other end of the organization who was able to bring their expertise. And so that's a really nice example. I mean, there's a ton of other ones like that for much more quote unquote work specific stuff. Um, but but that one's just sort of fresh in my mind and, and I really like that. 
I love that. What a, I mean, it just, again, like goes to show, you know, if you think about what a traditional kind of non-collaborative work environment would be is, you know, maybe eventually somewhere after a onboarding survey, someone would say that. And then, you know, L&D would have to go through and source, you know, a, a yoga teacher and, de- you know, develop all this content and go through all those mo- models. And, you know, in six months from now, you might have a how to stretch mm-hmm. at your desk module mm-hmm. that's part of onboarding. Whereas here, literally, you know, in almost instantaneously because everyone's given that autonomy and authority essentially to, to help, help each other. And that's really at the end of the day, if you think about like what learning is like learning is just about helping other people, helping each other, helping yourself grow and, and, and just have a skill that maybe 10 minutes ago you didn't have. And I think, you know, for people out there, as they're looking for their L and D jobs, just to know that, there are lots and lots of organizations that exist that really, really value, you know, the idea that everyone can be a teacher, that we all have something to teach each other. And mm-hmm. it could be as small as, Hey, how do I stretch at my desk? You know, right. and, and that can make a huge impact, right? That's the beauty of learning too, is that person a probably felt very seen and heard from the organization. I was like, wow, shit gets done here fast, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it, you know, you feel part of a, a move, an organization that's moving along. And then also too, like health benefits and people are feeling better at work. So it, something even as small as that has such a huge ripple effect. So only imagine if you're, if you were saying that it was more quote unquote business, you know, business items, but how much more you're enabling people to do their job at the same time, enabling the business. And that's really what, what learning inside an organization is all about. You know, it's finding that balance between what are those business needs and how do people, how do I grow people personally and professionally to, to meet and exceed those needs. So I think it's such a fantastic, fantastic example. So Jonah, you are such a wealth of knowledge and I think this is going to help so many people. And I think, I think it'll help a lot of people too. What I, what I didn't expect to, personally to get out of this that I think people will is, is really just having hope that there's these great learning organizations out there and companies like 360 Learning are helping organizations who don't quite know the way to do it. It's helping to give them a platform to do it too. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, not only do you have this you know, really great platform for so many you know, technological reasons, but actually, you know, from a cultural perspective, your the 360 Learning can really help, help shape that. So where can people connect with you and where can people learn more about 360 learning for their organization? Well, me personally, um, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, Jonah Goldstein, um, 360 learning. Uh, feel free to send me a, a, a connection request. Uh, mention that, that you heard me, uh, heard me here. That would be great. Um, and then uh, to learn more about our company, uh, check out our website, 360learning.com. We've got a great uh, blog. Um, You can see my uh, series of interviews with other uh, L&D professionals, which is called CLO Connect. Um, And it's it's available through our our website and through our blog. Um, We just have a a ton of other great content. Before we started recording, we were talking about our our web series, uh, Onboarding Joey, which uh, explains what it's like to join 360 Learning. I really recommend everyone to check that out as well. Um, But yeah, uh, that uh, all, all the information about our company, about our platform, and about our vision of collaborative learning, you can find on, on our website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. And I know it's definitely not the last time we'll be, be talking and probably on each other's shows. So thanks again for your time. Thanks, Sarah. I'll talk to you later. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.